right, our chapter this week is Daniel 10, and it'll be titled Behind the Scenes Spiritual Warfare. Um, in this chapter, we're going to see how Daniel's prayer, um, how, how his prayer life, his, his discipline in prayer, um, an act, we're going to see him commit an act of self-denial and how his discipline was connected to spiritual warfare. And what we're going to see here is Daniel's uh, behavior is an example of how significant our prayers and our actions are today as we battle uh, spiritual wickedness in high places as well. Um, and how befitting this study is going to be today because, I mean, you look out at the world and you see everything that's going on. We talked about the Demo the Democrats or the Democrat Party and how they are totally against God. It's like, why are they like that? Is it just because, you know, they just fell to be like that? What's causing them to promote all these things? Well, it's really not, you look at most Democrats today, they're just, they're not like they they're people that get up every morning and say, I want to be an evil person. I want to do bad things. A lot of people that vote for these Democrats um, are just simply deceived. They're deceived. But what are they deceived by? Who's controlling their mind? Satan. Right. Satan. Demonic forces. Okay, and that's what we're going to talk about here today. Um, you know, a lot of people just think in the realm of the flesh. You know, they look at a Democrat and say, I hate that bastard. He's an evil, you know, whatever. Um, but sometimes we have to do, we do have to step back. Yeah, that person has allowed themselves to be deceived. They allowed themselves to be taken captive by demonic forces. But what we, our real enemy is the, the force behind uh, that person, okay? The force that is brain, the, the demonic forces that are brainwashing and controlling the minds of our neighbors, our friends, and family, and so forth, okay? Uh, so Ephesians chapter 6, uh, we're going to start this out by reading this verse in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul. He says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So that the Apostle Paul basically said what I was just summarizing. We're not fighting against those individual people. We're fighting against the powers behind them. We're fighting against these, these wicked rulers that oftentimes we don't even see. Some are flesh people. Uh, some are flesh people, I have no doubt, that actually have communion with demons, like demons, act, demons or fallen angels actually talk to them. Um, and some are just invisible powers that you don't see. I mean, there could be a demon right all across the street now looking at us right now. I'm not trying to scare anybody. But you wouldn't know he's there. But you know what? If you start, I tell you what, if all of a sudden you start getting angry and you start, all of a sudden you feel this hot moment, hot flash, and you're calling somebody a name for no reason, there's a good chance there's a demon there instigating that. Saying, hey, don't let him talk to you like that. Get him. And then all of a sudden you go, ah, you know, whatever. So there's that. There's that kind of demonic influence. There's also people that have opened so many doors to Satan that Satan's demons can actually just live inside that person and control that person. Um, and so 
this applies on the governmental level as well. There are uh, people in power that are controlled by demonic forces. And in this chapter, like I said, we're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at how some of that goes on. Okay, How some of that goes on. Daniel 10 verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true. But the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Okay? In other words, in the Daniel here, he's, he says at this certain day, in the, th- or at, in the third year of Cyrus's reign, he says, uh, God revealed something to me. Okay? He revealed a truth to me. He revealed some uh, th- things that were going to happen in the future. And, he, and he, he, what's interesting, he says the time appointed was long. Okay? was long. The, this vision had to do with long-term things. It wasn't something that was going to happen tomorrow and it's all over with. It was going to happen over a long period of time. Um, last week we kind of talked about the gap theory. And I think that plays into this. It, this was always going to be over a long period of time. Um, so I will mention this uh, in passing here. The captivity of Judah and Jerusalem by the Babylonians was supposed to only last 70 years, which it did. And um, that seemed like a long time to Daniel. It was pretty much all of his life. And now I believe he's into like um, some of the exiles uh, in, the ca- in the Babylonian captivity have returned back to Jerusalem for, I think, uh, in, during these last... Uh, in the last couple of years, from within the last couple of years of when Daniel's uh, uh, explaining this vision here, so some exiles had started already going back to Jerusalem under Ezra, and they're getting ready to rebuild Jerusalem. But things are still not looking all that great for the Israelites, and it's important to understand because um, from Daniel's perspective, we're going to see him get very kind of unhappy about this vision. This vision isn't going to make him excited because he's thinking right now, 70 years are over. God said only 70 years. And then he's probably thinking everything's going to be back to normal and it's going to be great, but it never uh, quite got to what he was hoping for and God never promised it to be to that extent. And I'll explain in a minute. Uh, Verse 2, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning Three full weeks, okay? So whatever, he was so disturbed. Daniel was so disturbed at this, um, you know, about this, the situation. Um, you know, you think he'd be happy because the, the Israelites are going back to Jerusalem now or some of the children of Judah and they're starting to rebuild. But he was very sad. And I, if you remember back from the prior chapter, um, I think this, I think that's why, because he was thinking 70 years was the only amount of time that the Israelites were going to be punished for. But then in Daniel chapter 9, God gave this 77s prophecy that had to do with Gentile dominion over the city of Jerusalem and over um, the children of Judah and over the land of Israel. And um, so, you know, he's looking at 70 years as being over, but now God gives this other 490-year prophecy, or the 77s, which 
We believe he's even extended past that, but but that's another topic. But anyways, it isn't it isn't quite what Daniel was expecting. So that he's I mean, it was enough to make him sad for three weeks, okay? Now think about this. How many of us are getting sad right now as we see America falling apart? It hasn't even completely fallen apart yet, and I, I hope it doesn't, but many pro- prophetic indicators uh, say that it could. Um, you know, there could be some very sad times coming for us, you know, and uh, if you were living during Daniel's time, uh, you, you could relate to why he was this sad. In verse 3, it says this, I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now this is very important, this three full week, this, these three weeks of mourning that Daniel went through. So he eats no pleasant bread, he didn't drink any wine, and, he, and so forth. In other words, what, what Daniel was basically doing, he was putting himself through a partial fast, or a period of self-denial. He was trying to deny himself uh, the pleasures of the flesh. Now that would be akin today where, you know, some people do this today where uh, if they really want to get God's attention and they're sad about something, you know, it could be a loved one sick, uh, something else is going on in their family, or um, something bad's happening in America, right? They... They might decide to give up certain things that are distractions or pleasures of the flesh like TV, phone use, internet, um, and even a partial fast for a period of time to try to get God's attention. Now, that, that isn't really done all that much these days. People think, well, why would I do that? Why would I need to do that? Well, we're going to actually see it is something that God does honor when you deny yourself and uh, plead, uh, you know, and, and spend some time pleading with, with uh, him. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus says this, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. Okay? This is basically what Daniel was doing. He was, he was doing this kind of in secret, um, he was he was on a partial fast. All he was be- doing was eating vegetables and drinking water, and um, and so forth. Um, and he was praying and mourning in secret. And we're going to actually see God is going to reward him for this. And not only is this going to be a reward, but this is this three week partial fast that Daniel's going to put him through actually is going to give him. Power over some demonic forces. It's it sounds strange, but it's it, it's true. We'll see. Um, and in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hedekal. Now Hedekal is uh, the Tigris River. It's in. It was you know where Babylon was. You know uh, Babylon was between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. Um, and many of you know that the Tigris River is where Iraq is today, both the Euphrates and the Tigris. In fact, I used to run missions back and forth when I was deployed over there with the army, um, back and forth from the Euphrates to the Tigris, from Ramat, the city of Ramadi to Baghdad. Um, so it was, it was really interesting seeing those rivers and knowing that I was traveling this place that had so much biblical history there. Um, 
But anyways, that's where it is today. So Daniel, way back in time, he was in Iraq, you know, where he gets this uh, vision here in a minute. Then I lifted up mine eyes and I looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. So picture this. Picture this. Um, sorry, I was getting a phone call. <laughs> uh, turn off your phones. <laughs> um, so, so picture this. He's sitting there praying and mourning for three full weeks. And then all of a sudden he looks up and, he, and he's standing by the river and he sees this man. And he's describing this man. Anybody want to guess what kind of a man this is? Angel. It's some kind of an angel, okay? Now, now he, it says he's, he was wearing this fine linen, like white, really pure white clothes. And he has like this, uh, has some uh, golden parts to his clothing. His body was also like the burrow. This is like a, uh, a precious gemstone. And his, now check this out. And his face as the appearance of lightning. And his eyes as the lamps, as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like color to uh, polished brass. And check this out. And the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. So, hey, if you guys want to talk to one of God's good angels, just uh, mourn for three weeks and here you go. No, it won't happen every time. But, but it happened in Daniel's case. Uh, he actually sees this, this angel of God and he's describing him and his face is like lightning. It's just bright and, you know, you picture lightning flashing in the sky. I mean, that's bright. Uh, it's like flashing. And then the guy's talking and his voice sounds like a whole multitude of people talking. So you ever, you ever, oftentimes when people think of God talking to them, they'd be like, Joshua, you know, you like this big booming voice, you know. That's what he was hearing, this, this strong voice of this guy. It sounded like a, a whole army of people. Um, so there is a description of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1 that closely resembles this same description. But I do not believe that this is Jesus here in this passage because we're going to find out this angel needed some help from Michael the archangel in a, in a spiritual war that was going on. And Jesus wouldn't need any help from any angels. Um, but it doesn't say his name. It, it, we're never going to find out this angel's name. Um, many people speculate that it's Gabriel, and it very well could be. But at this point, I'm going to just call him the unnamed glorious angel, okay? Because that's all we know for sure. Verse 7, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Now check this out. Daniel had people with him when this angel appeared. Did any of the people see this angel besides Daniel? No, you know what all they heard? Was, a, uh, was an earthquake. The earthquake, and they ran scared. Okay, Why would that be? Well, I can tell you this, that this vision wasn't meant for those other people because they weren't doing what Daniel was doing. They weren't mourning and praying like Daniel. So, in other words, likely they were not worthy to receive this vision. How do we apply this to our lives today? Well, many people want an answer from God or they want something from God, but they do not actually take the time to pray or to study or to try to understand God. So God's not going to show them some fantastic truth in His Word unless they first put in the effort of seeking Him. 
Okay? So these people, they just got scared to death when this angel appeared. All they felt was an earthquake and they ran like, you know, um, kids running from a, uh, a polar bear or something, you know? <laughs> All right. A grizzly bear, yeah. It was like running from a grizzly bear that quaked the ground. Okay, Daniel chapter 10, verse 8. Therefore I was left alone, okay, after his buddies ran away. I saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for in my calmliness was turned in me into, uh, was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. In other words, Daniel was very, at the sight of this angel, he got very scared. His, his flesh body just started trembling. He got weak. So when you're in the presence of an holy angel like this, it's not going to be like, oh, hey, how you doing, buddy? Hey, God's my buddy. You know, people talk like God's just their buddy. They have no fear or reverence for God or an angel like this. You see an angel like this, and you're not going to just be talking to him like he's, you know, your best friend that you've always talked to. You're probably going to be on the ground uh, in shock, wondering what's going on here. But now, now think about this. I'm going to bring this up because Daniel is being visited by angelic, by an angelic being here. Okay. Now we're going to find out that there are bad angelic beings. Okay. And what do you think they do with their people? Because there are people that pray to demons. Does everybody understand that? There are people that pray to demons. What do you if? God sends angels to people praying to him. What do you think Satan does? He can send angels or demonic beings to people that are worshiping him. And this happens. Many people, many bad guys have uh, claimed to have had visions from various beings, which were fallen angels or demons. Um, so they have contact as well. Okay, there's a chain of command. There's, there, are force, there are good forces behind in the invisible world and bad forces. And sometimes those invisible forces come into the physical world that we, so we can see them, good and bad. Verse 9, Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Okay, So basically Daniel fainted. He passed out. He was so shocked by this being. Verse 10, and, and, and behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. So the angel's lifting Daniel up off the ground slowly here. Verse 11, and he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly... Now check this out. O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. Now think about this. You're being visited by an angel. Oh, the bad angels are doing that. <laughs> uh, you're being visited by an angel, and all of a sudden this angel tells you you're greatly beloved. How good would that make you feel? You're like, wow, this angel, I'm greatly, that means God, you know, for some reason really, really sh is showing extra affection to me. He loves me. And it's because Daniel was such a loyal servant to God, you know, through many things. Um, so what a wonderful day that might have, a wonderful moment for Gabriel anyways, uh, or for Daniel, I mean. And then he says this to him, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand up. 
or stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Now you notice this always happens. These angels of God are not weak pacifists, okay? Many times we see our pastors, they're always really soft and gentle. But these true messengers of God, what does he do to Daniel? He helps them up. He, he's a little gentle with them. Then he says, stand up on your feet. And I want you to understand what I'm teaching you, okay? That's what he said, this angel. See, And then Daniel's just saying, okay, okay. Oh. <laughs> you know, he's trembling. Um, verse 12, Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and to, now check this out, underline this in your Bible if you, if you want to, and to chasten thyself before thy God, Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Now look at this. this, this he said, Daniel, don't be scared, okay? I want you to know this. From the first day that you started praying, from the first day of those 21 days, those three weeks, your prayers were heard. And not only that, but it was honored that you were chastening yourself. What, what was he doing to chasten himself? He was on that partial fast, for three weeks. He was not drinking wine. He wasn't uh, eating any uh, delicious meats. He was just on like a vegetarian diet for three full weeks to discipline himself before God. So, uh, you know, God does take, uh, he does honor discipline when we discipline our lives. How, how else could we apply that to our lives? Well, setting aside a certain amount of time every day uh, to study our Bibles. You know, God honors that. When you do that, He answers. Okay? Um, many times people wait until everything's gone wrong in their life and then they cry out to God, Oh, God, help me, help me, I'm, I'm in trouble. When, if they wanted to be blessed, if it, in, instead of waiting to be in trouble and crying out to God, it's best to discipline yourself to obey God on a daily basis and be rewarded greatly like Daniel was here. Um, so, Spiritual breakthroughs and answers come from prayer, study, and self-denial, okay? Jesus fasted for 40 days before overcoming the tempter. Um, and you know what his tempting ended with? The devil asking him to make the stones into bread. What did Jesus do? He performed an act of self-denial. He was hungry. He could have made the stones into bread. But he said no. And you know what his answer was to, to Satan? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay? In other words, he says, we don't just live by food. Okay? We live by God's word. So when we study the Bible, that's what's actually feeding our, our souls. This food, this food is way more important than any physical food. And the example that Daniel is showing is he was, he was not eating all, all the, the, you know, he wasn't having these big juicy T-bones and porterhouses and ribeye steaks for a period of three weeks so that he could focus on the spiritual food, okay? And um, another interesting thing is this, this, these three weeks of self-denial and this partial fast that Daniel went through um, brought a spiritual breakthrough by having this angel come to him. Um, there's another example of this in the New Testament where Jesus said that certain kinds of demons 
could not be cast out unless the person was, was uh, fasting and praying. Some demons could come out just by saying, in Jesus' name, get out of him right now. It's God's property or something like that. But some demons you could shout at like that, and they would turn, they'd look at you and maybe smile and give you some demonic weird look. Like, I'm not going anywhere, buddy. But if for some reason there are rules to this war that we are in, and there are certain things that we can do to either have power over the demonic forces, and there are certain things we can do to let them have control over us. Anybody have an example of what could allow a demon to get into your life? Drugs. Drugs. Yes. Yep, severe uh, abusing alcohol. Uh, watching something on TV or certain video games can give demons the right to control you or the right to be in your life. So a lot of people don't realize that, but people don't just get, people's lives don't just fall apart for nothing. They open doors or they can close them, okay, um, and so forth. So it's very important. And we know that for some reason fasting, when you fast, the de- the, you can actually uh, uh, cause demons to lose their power over certain areas. Verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, this is the angel talking to Daniel, one of the chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, most people know who Michael the archangel is, right? In the book of Revelation, he's the guy that's the angel in charge of fighting Satan and his angels. Uh, So this unnamed angel says, hey, I was fighting with this being. It wasn't the, the, the fleshly king of Persia. There was some other uh, angelic being called the prince of Persia. Okay? Now, what does that tell us? Um, it tells us that even, be, you know, let's say Russia or China or all these other nations, do you think their president is the ultimate leader of that country? Does anybody think that? There are other, if it's a godless country, let's say there's a country, well, like China, right? They worship the dragon, right? The dragon. Who do you think the Chinese, what power do you think the Chinese government lies under? Some bad angel, right? There's a bad angel. It's not the president, actually, that's in total control. There's another force behind the president. Okay, and that's who they serve. That's who they sacrifice to. That's who they give devotions to. Um, and sometimes these people do this openly, and sometimes they do it secretly, some of our leaders, um, of these different, some of the leaders of these different countries. So back in this day, the, there was a king of Persia, but there was actually a, there was a flesh man who was a king of Persia, but there was also... A king of Persia in the spiritual realm that this angel was fighting for now check this out for 21 days why was the angel fighting this bad angel called why was the good angel fighting this bad angel called the prince of Persia for 21 days does anybody know how many days was Daniel praying for 21 days Daniel, while Daniel was sitting there praying every day, somehow his obedience and his prayers were giving the uh, 
was affecting the, the, the war going on between the good angels and the bad angels. And ultimately, Daniel, when it, he got to that 21st day, Michael was able to break through in that spiritual war and help this unnamed angel out, okay? So what if Daniel stopped praying on day 20? Would this angel have ever made it to him? What if he stopped praying and and doing this partial fast, maybe the bad guys would have then had the advantage. So you see how real this is and how behind the scenes it is. When we pray, we're not just, uh, we're not just, our prayers are not just some, uh, you know, empty words like, oh God, uh, thank you for the daily bread and so forth. I mean, not that those are empty words, but some people just, they don't realize the power of prayer, okay? Um, if, um, all right, I'm going to mention this. In the Apocrypha, I, th- I believe it's 2nd Esdras. Uh, I should have looked this up. It lists the names of seven archangels of God, and two of them were Michael and Gabriel. So this could have been one of the other five, you know, one of uh, the remaining five archangels that's just not named. It could have been Raphael or Faniel or I can't remember all their different names. But um, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be Gabriel, okay? Most people assume it's Gabriel, but we don't have to say that. So anyways, whatever was going on, Daniel's prayers affected the spiritual war going on that most people have no idea is there. Now, verse 14, Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Okay? And this is not the answer that most of us want to hear. We want things to be, we want heaven to be on earth right now, right? And and you get to see Daniel doesn't, Oftentimes we're so impatient, we want things to be over with and complete now. But this vision was, and prophecy of bad rulers ruling the world for a period of time would happen for quite a long time. Verse 15, And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground, and I became dumb. Okay. In other words, Daniel, when he heard it was going to be for a long time, he's like, oh, man. Oh, you know, he just, he, he just couldn't take this. He wanted things Uh, to be set right. Verse 16, And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision, by the vision my sorrows are turned unto me and I have retained no strength. In other words, knowing that this that these bad rulers would be in control of the world for a long time, Daniel was, um, was, again, he was very sad. And to the point where you could almost say he was depressed. He had no strength in him. Okay? Um, again, I'm going to mention, Daniel was thinking 70 years are up. In his mind, he's, he was thinking, uh, well, God said that the Babylonians would only desolate Jerusalem for 70 years. Once that's up, everything's going to be great again. Now, it was, to a certain extent, the Israelites or the children of Judah were allowed to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem after 70 years and the temple, but they were still under the control of pagan world empires, okay? You went from Persia to Greece, and then you had the Roman Empire. 
they still controlled the city of Jerusalem and the temple. Okay, so the 70 years of desolations ended, but the, the, the pagan world dominion did not end at that time. And that, I have no doubt, Daniel didn't realize that was the case. Uh, verse 17, For how can the servant of this, my Lord, talk with this, my Lord? For as for me, straightway, there remained no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man. So it sounds like there are multiple angels here touching Daniel, trying to make him, you know, reassure him it's going to be okay. And he strengthened me, okay? So what's weird is it's like the angels seem to be strengthening Daniel, but Daniel's prayers seem to be able to strengthen the angels for some reason, or at least give them... Uh, give them uh, lawful authority over certain dominions. Um, it reminds me of a place where Jesus said to Peter, he says, Peter, I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and, and, and so forth. In other words, there, there's a direct connection there. Verse 19, and he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when, you know, he, notice he didn't say be weak, be a pacifist, be a wimp. He said, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for thou hast strengthened me. Then said he, knowest wherefore I come unto thee? And now, now check this out. And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am come forth, when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. So this, this angel is obviously, he's telling Daniel, he says, okay, now that I'm done talking to you, I'm going to go back and fight with this wicked prince of Persia. And then after that, I'm going to fight against the prince of Grecia, the prince of Greece. Okay? So again, Dan, he's giving Daniel a little insider uh, baseball, if you would, for lack of better terms. He, he's, he's showing them what's going on behind the scenes. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael, now check this out, but Michael, your prince. In other words, he says, no one else knows the things that I'm telling you. It sounds like not even, even a lot of these other angels. Only Michael and this angel knew these things, and they were sharing it with Daniel. Okay? And um, no, and he says, Michael, your prince. Who is Michael the prince of? He's the prince of Israel, right? So, the bad, like I said, the bad countries have angels that rule over them but the nation of uh, God's people have a prince over them a ruler obviously ultimately it's Christ and God but Michael Michael the archangel I, I truly believe that Michael the archangel is likely since we are one nation under God and God we trust I believe that Michael is the, I believe that Michael could likely be the prince in the unseen world over the nation of America um, interesting. Um, I think that's it. All right. In conclusion, uh, spiritual warfare 
Spirit and spiritual victory all started with Daniel practicing a 21-day period of self-denial, uh, of prayer to keep himself from the desires of the flesh, and so forth. Um, and it, it really seemed to have a direct correlation between battles that were being fought uh, in heaven or in the unseen world. And... Um, and like I said before, there are things that we can, the things we do in our daily life, we can either open up doors for bad angels or we can shut doors on them. Um, we can either, we can do things that give up ground to bad forces or we can, things we do can actually take power away from them. And it's a very serious and a very real thing. It's not like this is a pretend cartoon that we're talking about. These are real, there are real beings all over the place that we don't see and there's a real war going on um, and we are a part of that war, a very, very important part of that war. Um, any questions or comments? You said there were seven angels? Um, in the, I think it's in second the in the apocrypha, uh, second Ezra. So I think it says but there. Only two were good, kind of like the candlesticks. No, the. I'm just. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, all seven of them are good. I, in fact, I think they probably are the seven angels. Maybe even the same seven angels that have the seven trumpets in the Book of yeah. Revelation, and the seven vials. Something related to me there. I don't know what it was. But yeah. Seven, seven, seven. Never mind. Um. I can't explain myself sometimes. I think that uh, there's definitely going to be a pretty serious spiritual war going on right now. Right. Uh, like probably no other. I mean, if this is anywhere near the, you know, the end times, uh, it's probably going to be a bigger battle, or is a bigger battle currently than there ever has been. And I just wonder if, it seems like in the Old Testament, Testament, you know, in the biblical days, that there were a lot more angels and showing up and things happening and, uh, you know, miracles happening right before people, and, and it seems like that has kind of gone away, you know, I don't know when that happened, but, you know, I mean, you just don't see a lot of angels, you know, you don't even hear stories unless they're, well, maybe they're weird stories or something, but I just wonder if that... Uh, Battles kind of must get more intense, and maybe there isn't as much battling going on at times. Like there, it was fighting for God's people to be free, and and now it's fighting for you know the, the souls of of man. And I just think uh, I wonder if there might be coming a time where there's kind of like back in the biblical days where maybe people will start seeing angels and and. Uh, different kinds of miracles happening and God kind of empowering people in a way that he hasn't since back then. Right. I don't know if there's any scriptures to back that up, but... Uh, well, and I think, I think especially, I know um, bef before the 2016 election, a lot of people did a, um, at least a one-day, 24-hour fast in prayer. And uh, we, I mean, it looked like Hillary was going to win for sure, and all of a sudden... You know, so I think I think they do make a difference. I mean, I'm not telling everybody they need to go on a 21-day partial fast, um, but some, for some people that might be their calling. You know, like Daniel, he was he was a different guy. You know, he was very close to God, very devout. So I think we do need some Daniels to do a something similar to that, a 21-day 
uh, time of self-denial, especially leading up to the November elections. Because yeah. it, it, it makes a difference. It really does. Um, Joel chapter 2 talks about a when the enemy armies invade like locusts, the locust army. It says, call a day of fasting, a day of prayer. You know, so... Um, I don't exactly know how it works, but I know Satan has to abide by certain rules and laws in this war because, um, you know, when Jesus, when he tried to tempt Jesus a few times and then failed, he had to leave. Um, so it's, it, I don't want to say it's a game, but it is sort of like a game. There are rules. There are things that, um, even in war, you know, you think of war, well, it's a war, there's no rules, everything just happens. Well, that's not the case in the spiritual war. There are rules that the demons have to follow. I mean, um, think about the, I'm thinking about the time that um, the de- Jesus cast the demons into the pigs. They were talking to him, you know, please don't send us back to Hades or, or wherever it was um, and, uh, and so forth. It's just, it's just so interesting. There are so many details, so many things that are very real yet are not seen. Well, and like you're talking about the war in heaven and having it having a close correlation with what's going on here. I mean, when we're down here and like when Daniel was praying for those 21 days, you know, we're praying for protection and, you know, sealing up any holes and things like that. Well, who do you think is providing that protection? And, you know, maybe that's part of what the war is up there is, you are asking, please, you know, seal us up and protect us. And those good angels are up there, like, building a wall, like, step off. You can't go near that family or those people. They're, they're protecting us from those evil forces sneaking into our homes and our minds and everything else. So maybe that's part of, like you said, those 21 days, they were battling up there because he was praying for protection or whatever. Mm. And so they were you know, answering his prayer by protecting him from the evil forces. Right. That's a good point. And, and Satan was trying to stop that angel from getting to Daniel and giving him the message. Tried very hard to stop him. And um, that's maybe why he needed help from <clears throat> Michael. Like, he was like, okay, maybe Michael's going to, whatever, keep the bad guys away so that he could go down and talk to them. You know, so we're praying here. There's all sorts of stuff going on up there. They're doing their best to yeah. keep the evil at bay and not touching us. Right. Yeah. And if you let up and stop, you know, and they might, you know, I don't know. Yeah, Psalms 91 talks about how, um, I think it's Psalms 91, that talks about uh, the, that we have guardian angels, that God's servants have guardian angels that, that actually watch over and protect them. So it's a very real thing. If you're serving God, you've got bodyguards. You know, you got some pretty powerful bodyguards. It's almost like if you don't pray, it's possible that you're just kind of left alone, too. You know, like obviously God's plan is going to go forward no matter what, but to, to me, it, this whole lesson kind of just shows the significance of prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and getting God's attention, or or at least showing Him that you care enough. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's 
fascinating. It, you know, there's part of you that thinks, <clears throat> well, God's all powerful. Why is there a battle? I mean, God could just snap his fingers and wipe them all out, which ultimately what he's going to do. But there's a, there must be a reason for it. Uh, and I'm sure it has to do with our, our uh, ability to, you know, choose, uh, what is it, what's the word the, the, for uh, freedom of... Free will? Free will, yeah. Right, yep. I'm sure that's what it has to do with, because otherwise why would God even have a, a situation where his angel is almost losing a battle against this Persian demon? Right. And he needs help from Michael. I mean, it, it, it just has, I mean, it just shows that, and then it needs, not needs, but people like Daniel to pray, and they inter you know, kind of intercede in that way. I don't know, it's just, I think it just helps drive our, who we are as a person, and, and it shows God who we are as a person, you know, how involved we are, and how much we pray, and how much, you know, we care. Otherwise, uh, what's the, what's the point overall? And you got God would just say, okay, you guys aren't going. You guys are going. Let's we're done. You know. And, but yeah. He gives us all the ability to either you know choose the right way or the wrong way or mm -hmm. or uh, pray or not pray. Or, yeah. It's fascinating. It's also extremely deep and hard to understand. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like like Daniel was mourning about the time appointed being long. And it ties into what you're saying. I think it, I think God's allowing all this to happen to test and to strengthen people, right. to help them mature, to help. To, it causes you to grow. Right. Like if God just did everything for us, we'd be a not very understanding, not very wise, not very strong spiritually. Right. You have to go through battles. I mean, everybody knows in life, to, you know, whether you're, whatever you're trying to overcome. I'll just take sports, for example. If you never compete at the low levels you're never going to compete at the high levels you need that experience you need to have some wins some losses to learn from and you keep building and building and building um, so I, that seems to be a lot of maybe why he's doing this it's he's conditioning us to be to be strong servants of his yeah and to be worthy of you know his yeah Right. I, there is another spot that God says that his people go through the great tribulation because he's going to, uh, it's like putting metal, you know, like a gold into the furnace to get all the impurities out, to refine it, to make it more valuable. Um, and uh, so sometimes the heat of life will purify us. It'll get rid of some of our, some of our trials and temptations will actually make us more pure than we were before. Um, anybody else got any questions or comments? No? All right. That officially concludes our study. Christian Overcomers is brought to you by the tithes and offerings of our listeners. If you would like to support our ministry, please go to ChristianOvercomers.com. God bless you, and thank you for your support. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He Trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible sword His truth is marching